This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. Apple trees burst into bloom this week, and even though harvest is months away, this is the season of hope and optimism. It's also a good time to make a plan for how you want to care for your apple trees this season. Suzanne Slack is an assistant professor of horticulture at Iowa State University, and she is here to help us make a plan. Hello, Suzanne. Hi, thanks for having me on today. Well, thank you so much for being here. And and like I said, trees just burst into bloom across most of the state this week. And let's start with those blossoms, because a proliferation of blossoms seems like a wonderful thing. But can there be too much of a good thing? Uh, yes and no. Uh, so typically for apples, we expect you know bloom to take about um, anywhere from one to two weeks per tree. The first flower that opens up is typically called the king bloom. Um, and then... The secondary flower, tertiary flower, um, and most uh, apple clusters and cultivars have five to six flowers. So since they all kind of went all at once, um, it is a little bit of a problem for pollination. So thinning might be something we need to consider a little more this year than usual, because since they were all out at the same time, they all probably got pollinated a little more evenly. Okay. And I know that thinning is really hard for people to do because we're so excited to see all of those blossoms. But why might it be important? Well, there's two main reasons. One, um, you can think about it in a logistic sense. If there's a lot of apples, all of those nutrients are being spread over a a larger amount of fruit. So if you want bigger, better, tastier, sugar-free, like more sugar, more sweet apples, you want less apples on your tree because the tree can then put more energy into those smaller number of apples. Then the second reason is a lot of the cultivars we grow in Iowa have this um, condition called biennial bearing. And if there's too many apples on the tree one year, the next year the apple tree won't put as many blossoms out or may not even flower at all. And once the tree goes into that biennial bearing system, it's really hard to basically trick them into blooming every year again. All right. Well, and I've I've even seen apple trees with branches broken with too much fruit set on the trees. So, I mean, that that can be a problem too, right? Just the the weight of all of that fruit. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you're not, um, if you're doing a low pruning or low maintenance uh, training method on your tree and you get too much weight, they'll definitely break. <laughs> low maintenance or complete neglect. I, I, think, <laughs> I think that a lot of us have probably been in that situation. All right. Well, let's talk about uh, then how you thin. What, what do you do to make sure that you've got the right amount of blossoms? Well, the best thing you can do is around um, the end of June, there's something called June drop. So a lot of times the apples will try to thin themselves naturally, but they don't do a great job. And what you'd want to do is go out and remove Uh, fruit off of the clusters. So there's only about one or two fruit per cluster. And then try to space them out a little bit. Uh, Typically, I would recommend uh, about eight inches between the clusters. So just pick the ones that look the prettiest or the best, biggest, and everything else can go. Now, Iowa has a climate that works pretty well for apple trees. It has the environment that works pretty well for apple trees, but they are really prone to diseases and pests. So let's focus on diseases first. What kind of diseases can cause problems for your apple trees? Well, the one that we want to be really concerned about this year is fire blight. So fire blight is a bacterial disease of apples, and its first uh, target on the apple tree are the flowers. And it likes warm weather and warm nights, which we just experienced a bunch of with all of those open flowers. Um, So that's the main one to be concerned for. 
All right. And if we're worried about fire blight, what are the first signs? So you'll start to see some blackening of the flower tissue and some wilting. Uh, the flowers won't fall off. They'll stay on. They'll be black. You'll also see a bunch of um, or a lot of orange occurring, especially on the foliage nearby. And uh, the telltale sign is what we call a shepherd's crook. So all of the shoots that are growing near that infected cluster will start to droop over and literally look like a shepherd's crook. They turn orangish and all of the leaves stay on. Um, also, you'll see uh, some sticky substance called ooze. And that ooze is what is actually a matrix of that actual bacteria that causes the disease. And it can spread from blossom to blossom, shoot to shoot. Is there a way to prevent fire blight? So un unfortunately, we're, we're a little bit late um, this year. But for those who experience problems with it this year, um, there are some uh, sprays, uh, some chemical sprays that you can put on um, earlier when the flowers first come out, uh, or like the, whenever they first open. About this time, it's a little late for um, anything for homeowners to really do except for to cut it out when they see it. Okay, so if you see the signs, you should cut it out. And, and by cutting it out, what exactly does that mean? So that means um, you want to use uh, pruners and you want to cut out all of the tissue. Um, so that's all the shoots as far down as you can get, um, about six to eight inches below where you actually see the disease tissue occur. The bacteria has already traveled that far down. Um, without causing any signs or symptoms. And if fire blight takes control, what happens to the tree? Uh, the tree will die. So it, it will kill the tree. Um, um, oh, the other thing to mention too, um, when you do cut it out using your pruners, make sure you clean your pruners between each cut. It only takes, um, a, doesn't take very much of that bacteria to um, accidentally spread, spread it throughout your tree. And then the bacteria can also live on your pruners for quite a bit of time. Well, that, that has to be the most horrible disease that we're going to talk about. But are there other diseases that we should also be on the lookout for? That's, that's the worst one, but I like mentioning it because it's the, the deadly one. Um, uh, apple scab is also starting to um, come out. So the spores are already flying. Uh, this disease causes um, scabby-like lesions on the fruit as well as the leaves. Um, and what we can do is spray different types of fungicides. Um, for this one, too, if you are in an area that seems to have a lot of it, there are uh, cultivars that are resistant to apple scab. All right. And if you see apple scab, is there anything you can do? Uh, there are some uh, sprays, some chemical controls that you can do. Um, this one won't necessarily kill your tree, but it will make your apples a little ugly. So it, it's safe to eat. All right. And should we move on to pests or are there more diseases we should talk about first? Um, there, there's one more. Okay. Uh, Powdery mildew is also a problem this time of year or starts becoming a problem. Um, it literally looks like someone dipped the tips of your shoots in a white powder. And there are some fungicide sprays that we can do. Uh, some people cut it out. Um, it causes just some deformations on those growing tips and it can reduce overall vigor of your tree. All right. So moving on to pests, what do we need to watch for? So right now um, we need to start thinking about plum cuculeo. Uh, which is a little black insect that uh, what it tries to do in apples is it's trying to lay its eggs unsuccessfully in the apple fruit. Um, for those who've seen it before, it kind of looks like a half moon um, scar-like structure on their apples. Um, and uh, it's very um, unsightly, basically. Um, but the, the real problem with it is while it's trying to affect your apples, if you have any other um, stone fruits nearby, those populations will actually cause your stone fruits to um, fall off. So the, they are successful in laying their eggs in stone fruits. The 
uh, trees that are stone fruits, so like that's a plum, peach, cherry, they don't like it, and they will drop their fruit. Okay. So, so that could be an even worse problem for neighboring trees than it is for your apple trees. Uh, what are some of the other pests that might be around? So we also have to think about um, apple maggot. So people aren't really too fond of having worms in their apples. So that one will start to emerge and start laying its eggs too in the developing fruit. Uh, for that one, there's also some insecticides that we can use. All right. And that that is the, the big question that a lot of people are faced with, with apple trees, is do I just take my chances and know that I'm probably not going to be able to store a lot of this fruit because it's going to have blemishes, or do I spray? So if, if somebody wants to take the, the spray route, if they're hoping to have fruit that, that is not blemished, what do they need to be doing? Uh, they need to be spraying their trees once a week for the entire summer which is a big ask because um, we're talking about just some pests right now. But as the season continues, there's more. Um, but there are a number of uh, different spray regimes that are available for um, home gardeners who really want to have really nice fruit in their backyard. Um, so typically for the fungicides, uh, there's a couple of options for homeowners. There's Captan or Mancozeb, um, and those are great for apple scab and some of the other fungal diseases. Then for plum cucurlio, we have um, carbamyl, malathion, and a couple of others that are registered for use. Um, Organic-wise, there are a couple of other more expensive compounds. And uh, one that I am really fond of is called Surround, which um, homeowners can purchase. And it is a kaolin clay. And what it does is it's, uh, well, kaolin clay is basically the inactive ingredient in toothpaste. So you're, you're basically spraying your trees in like a powdered form of toothpaste. Um, and it binds up all of those biting, chewing mouth parts of the insects. So it doesn't hurt beneficials at all. It only hurts things that are trying to eat your trees. And with Surround, I, I'm familiar with uh, seeing the product in use. How often do you have to put it on your trees? Every time it rains, um, it doesn't have any sticking ability. So that's something that um, can be a little difficult. Also, um, if you are going the surround route, you need to buy a specific sprayer that can keep it emulsified. So they're a little more expensive because what will happen is if it's not constantly stirring or you're not constantly shaking it, it'll clog up your nozzles because it is clay. And with surround, um I mean, that sounds like a, a pretty expensive option. It also sounds like the kind of thing I, I do know that there are large scale organic uh, orchards that use it. But it, it sounds like something that is more within reach of a home gardener who may have just a couple of trees. Depends on how nice they want their fruit to look. Um, also, the nice thing about Surround is there's a lot of other crops that you can put it on. So if you have a big garden with a lot of insect problems, especially getting into the summer and we talk about Japanese beetles. Japanese beetles also do not like surround. It gets in their mouth parts and they don't want to eat it. So it's an option if you have a lot of plants that you're trying to protect. With just taking your chances, <laughs> which I know a lot of people do because this is labor intensive, it's expensive, and there are concerns about chemicals in the environment. Do you have any words of wisdom for people who just want to roll the dice? Uh, yeah, uh, just make sure that you keep a clean environment. Remove anything that looks... Uh, diseased um, and make sure that you do a good job fertilizing and pruning your trees. All right. Suzanne Slack is an assistant professor of horticulture at Iowa State University. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. You can find out more about that at iowapublicradio.org 
slash garden. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.